Hello, my name is Stephen Schooling. I'm Director of Engineering and Physical Sciences here at UCLB. And today in the fourth podcast of this UCLB series, I'm chatting to Marina Santilli, who is the Associate Director for Engineering and Physical Sciences here at UCLB, um, about the development by UCL Business over the past decade of an advanced uh, express licensing platform called eLucid, um, which seeks to simplify the process of IP licensing transactions and is now used not just by UCLB, but technology transfer offices across the globe to help with securing and simplifying the process of, uh, of licensing lo relatively low value items of intellectual property. Marina, welcome. Hi, Stephen. Thank you. My first question, really, and we'll sort of we'll we'll go through the sort of the journey we went on um, with Elucid. My first question really was, what was the motivation for developing the platform? Um, in this, in a sense, you know, sort of from a from a sort of a market need perspective, what was the problem we were trying to solve? Because um, that's often a question we face with new technology opportunities. What is that unmet need we're potentially satisfying? Yeah, great question. So. The need, in fact, was my own need. Um, as you know, you recruited me into a role at UCL Business, uh, supporting uh, the licensing of technologies, primarily coming out of computer science at the time, which naturally involved the licensing of, of software technologies. And some of those software technologies were um, uh, more appropriate for what we call non-exclusive licensing, which is to license the same technology over to many people rather than um, licensing on bespoke terms to one uh, to one licensee. Um, so a tech transfer office typically does a lot of the exclusive licensing type, uh, which involves a lot of legal support in, in negotiating terms with the other party. In the case of non-exclusive licensing, what you're trying to do is minimize the time you spend on each one, particularly when that intellectual property is of a lower value than, for example, a new drug development. Um, and so therefore the software that I was licensing for UCL Business fit into this category of non-exclusive and relatively lower value. So of the order of a hundred pounds or maybe a thousand, couple of thousand pounds per license. Um, but what I was finding was that because we didn't have a system to manage template agreements, um, I was having to enter into detailed negotiations with each licensee party, uh, along, as, as is typical for a, an exclusive license. So it was taking up a lot of time and it was slightly frustrating because all I wanted was effectively a click wrap licensing, as it used to be called at the time. I just wanted to be able to say, these are my licensing terms. These are UCLB's licensing terms. Do you accept or not? And if you do, please just sign and send, send the license back to me. But we didn't have that. And as much as I looked around what was being uh, done in other universities, they didn't have that either. So this was back in 2008, 2009, I think. So this sort of predates sort of DocuSign and all of the developments that have come with those sorts of platforms. That's correct, yeah. So there was, the only thing I found that was vaguely similar was um, a tool called Flintbox, which itself has evolved a lot over the years, um, which was more of a portal for people posting their technologies available for licensing. But it wasn't really a licensing portal. It was more about making technologies available. And I wanted my system to be something where I could actually transact, um, transact a license. So I think I came to you and said, Stephen, <laughs> we can do this better. And uh, coming, from, coming from a background in product development before coming into tech transfer, I knew that I knew how to do it. And uh, you kindly gave me some budget to get on and do it. And that's what I did. Built a proof, proof, uh, proof prototype, proof of concept 
system for those first uh, software licenses. So there was a so so sort of reflecting back, there was a sort of clear need in your mind from sort of not just us in terms of well, first primarily for us in terms of how we um, did our did our lower value software licensing, but there but potentially uh, seeing an opportunity not just in software but also into other potential assets if that was something that could be evolved and a, a tool that you know had maybe you know some wider applicability potentially, but at the heart of it was driving solving a problem for us which was a source of pain and was meaning that we weren't being we that we we were not doing as many software licenses as we could because simply it wasn't in a sense worth it worth it financially correct and uh, to be clear what we built in the first instance was a minimum viable prototype um minimum viable product should i say it was a prototype which fit my specific requirement which was software licensing and did exactly that it, it allowed us to test in a relatively cheap way whether this was something that worked for us whether it worked for the other parties because obviously there are actually three parties typically in university licensing the tech transfer office the licensee and the academic so the academic is often involved in those kinds of arrangements too so so yeah building that prototype allowed us to test out some of those some of those theories and um, pleased to say it performed well and tell us, and just share, could you share a little bit of, shed a bit of light on that sort of development process? Because you talked about an MVP, which is obviously, you know, that minimum viable product is something that we often want to see as we're trying to, in a sense, test out the suitability of a technology to address a market need. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, that development process, and then what did we learn from testing also that prototype? Yeah, so the... I think we started with identifying the process that we want, the workflow effectively. Yeah. So, so a license is basically a workflow. You have, you have a set of terms, you need somebody to accept those terms online, and then you need to be able to make the product then available. So we're talking about uh, protecting um, the IP in this case is copyright in the software. And ideally you want to have the product available to be downloaded as soon as the the satisf uh, as soon as the terms of the license have been satisfied whether that's accepting the terms and or paying uh, an amount of money associated with that and uh, the other element was to make it as automated as possible so um, it was all email driven so effectively every stage of the process kept everybody up to date with how things were going in the in the approvals process if there was one um, so yeah so we brought on board a developer um, who had experience in building web stores, specifically with, um, uh, with um, e-commerce web stores, should I say, specifically, which is effectively what we were building. And then uh, myself and, and a colleague at UCL Business set about just drafting workflows and um, getting those built uh, and testing them. Uh, we didn't have initially any kind of facility to accept payment. So that's something we agreed was too complicated for an MVP. So any licenses that required payment were they were directed to make a bank transfer or send a check as used to happen in those days. And, and we had the finance team as part of the workflow so they could go into an order and complete it as soon as they received the money. And that would then allow the software to be downloadable by the the end party. So semi-automated. Semi-automated at that stage. If there yeah. was no no fee associated with it, then 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 that could conclude straight away. But that's when we discovered that there were. So in, in running that uh, prototype, we discovered that there were other features that we would like that met the needs of a tech transfer office. And and one of those particularly was that we wanted to have the ability to be. Um, 
involved in, a, in an approvals process so that not every order that came in would necessarily be approved by ourselves in the tech transfer office, but that we'd want to involve other people potentially. So potentially the academic could be involved in deciding whether or not that applicant for a license was eligible to get the technology. So that there were some of the features we started thinking about in building the next iteration. Um, more importantly, when we started using it in UCL business, uh, other colleagues from other parts of Tech Transfer Office said, that's really great, can I use it for this kind of IP, this end. And one of those technology, one of those uh, forms of intellectual property that we were looking to um, automate more was the management of material transfers agreements, MTAs. So that's when we, uh, was, I think it was about two or three years later after mm -hmm. the well, built the prototype that we came up with a full set of features that we wanted to do in our second uh, kind of more professional edit of yeah. Elucid and built in a whole host of additional features, which we were lucky to get funded, if you remember, by the uh, Intellectual Property Office. We won an award from the IPO. The oh, time. that was that UK IPO fast forward grant, yeah, wasn't it? Correct, that we, yeah. That we, uh, that we secured and just gave us that little bit more of, in a sense, funding capacity to uh, to, to to retain you know, the, the developer. Uh, and I think, didn't we have some deals to help us on the sort of the uh, the user interface again to 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 try to create a, a tool that had you know um, you know wider applicability. Correct, and yeah. and uh, importantly, obviously, the branding became important yeah. at that time. So we we had a logo design. So that's obviously the fun part, and um, and yeah, started to create a brand around the the technology, so that at least within UCL and UCLB, we could promote what we were doing with it. And that was the Elusive brand. That was the development of the Elusive brand. Um, and then that ability then to start to, in a sense, coalesce activity around around that brand and build some, build, and build some visibility. And was it around then that we sort of started, we started then talking, and I can't remember, it seems a while ago, but the, the whole idea then of, the, of, of widening out the sort of use cases for the tool into, for example, you know, you talked, we talked at the start about this was being a tool primarily for lower value pieces of IP, but one of the other uses is, is, to, is to use it on where, 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 where software is being available, made available for free, um, e.g. E for academic use. Um, but the ability then to use the tool to track the downloads more effectively and therefore provide the UCL academics who are, who, whose software is going up onto the platform with a mechanism to, in a sense, track their impact. Yes, that was quite a useful feature, actually. So um, as is still the case now, a lot of software mm. is distributed through the likes of GitHub, um, which you know has its purpose, obviously, for code that's still being developed and, and being released under open source licensing. But it's not so good at being able to track the distribution and uh, of those um, of those of those software packages. So something like a licensing tool like this we can develop proprietary licenses, which are still free of charge, but they look like academic licenses, for example. So um, almost like an open source license, except restricted to academic use or personal use only. Um, and every person who applies has to register in, in a minimum way. And therefore that gives us a count of how many licenses have been uh, made available. Um, and also geographic dispersion. Um, so we can track nicely how far and wide the technology has created an impact, and that's great, obviously, for ref impact case studies, etc. 
So, and recently we've, we've added on a new feature onto the current tool so that academics can actually log in themselves to see they don't have to contact their business manager anymore to find out how many licensees they have for their technology. They can log in and see that for themselves, which is great. And I think we'll come back to that, that sort of free usage piece. I think I'd like to touch on the use of the platform in due course um, and how UCL B used it in conjunction with UCL to support, to, to support UCL's effort during the pandemic. Um, but let's come, let's come back to that and sort of, in a sense, before we get there, sort of, is there any, any, any other aspects as we went from testing that prototype through to, in a sense, developing a version that was fit for the, that met the needs of UCLB and therefore could be launched in a sense to the outside world. What else, was there any other sort of learnings as we went on in relation to that sort of development process? Well, we added in, um, so the feature I talked about with respect to material transfer agreements, um, what was important about that was that it required a much more complicated workflow. So we required uh, approval processes to go not just to the uh, to, to, to internal within UCL and UCLB, but also the approving entity of the, of the person requesting the material. So what we realized at that time is that we wanted to allow full flexibility and what we were designing and what had, we had designed up to that point was something that suited UCLB's purposes. But it was becoming clear to me at that point that this tool could be useful for other universities as well or other research organizations and that it was obvious that they wouldn't necessarily have to have the same process or workflow that we have at UCLB. So we started to redesign the system entirely such that it was much more customizable so that setting up a workflow was something that you weren't constrained to a particular um, process as in the UCLB process, but you could design it however you liked with or without approvals, um, bring in people from <laughs> wherever you wanted, add in you know, information for shipping, for example. So just made it a much more flexible tool. So we completely re-architected in the next version um, so, and that was based on the fact that our, we clear our own products had different requirements and that we were thinking, actually having had a few conversations with friendly TTOs around the UK that we knew actually that the tool would be useful for them as well and they'd be interested in trying it out. So we didn't want to fix it just to a UCL, UCLB workflow. So yeah, so the next version um, was a, the, the version that we started making available to other universities such as Edinburgh University, who are currently using it now, and, and, um, and, and many others around the UK and, and the US actually in, in past years as well. So that was really at the point where we sort of said, where we said, we'll have one, we'll have one version, or one, one in effect sort of implementation of the elusive platform that would be, it, it would be optimized for UCLB's workflows. And then we would have the more generic platform, which could then be optimized for other, how the other TTOs wanted to operate their, their licensing, whether it was software licensing, materials, etc., and the ability, therefore, to, in a sense, have a tool that was much more gene generic and therefore sort of flexible to the needs of differing TTOs and, and differing regulatory regimes, as we've seen with you know, the US compared to the UK. Yeah, we made a point that from the beginning we were only going to offer this as software as a service and that we didn't want mm. to do... Um, installed software because we knew that was going to be much more difficult to manage. So, um, so that guided the architecture of the system. So we have a, a, a core tool and database, which is, which is the Elucid system. And then for every new customer, whether it's UCLB's own system 
or uh, another universities or even the one we we built for uh, the pandemic um they're shop fronts that sit on top of the of the installation so we have a, a customized front end if you like that has the look and feel of whichever university's um uh, shopping portal it is effectively and that sits on top of the of the SaaS platform and i think we thinking back we developed that because we saw that the in a sense we had a tool here which had potentially bigger applicability than just to UCLB. But I think it really, and, and, and obviously, as you talked about just now, there was those early adopters in the UK, the likes of the likes of Edinburgh, and I think Sheffield came on board fairly soon afterwards. But that flexibility that we'd that we'd architected into the into the platform really came 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 home to us and it and its use and its use for UCL and UCLB during the pandemic where um, where the tool was used to help uh, distribute the uh, the CPAP designs that had been developed um, by UCL's Institute of Healthcare Engineering in conjunction with Mercedes. Do you want to tell us a little bit more? Because I think that was a really for me, and it's one of the moments I look back at for, in the development of UCL, which was which was really seminal in the sense of it just demonstrated the support, the useful, the usefulness of the the activities and the tools that UCLB have created in doing tech transfer to help the university with its wider mission at that point, demonstrating how UCL was UCLB was helping UCL with its pandemic effort. Yeah, so that was obviously an amazing story from the mechanical uh, from the Institute of Healthcare Engineering team in actually developing the blueprints for this uh, CPAP device, UCL Ventura, which was turned around in ten days. I think so there's a fantastic story and there's there's lots of uh, online content about that. Um, we heard about it obviously during the process and there was a requirement to try and get the designs available uh, online so that they could be licensed to other um, other organizations around the world that could make use of, of a CPAP device because obviously the, the, the units they were making in the UK were only approved for health for use within uh, MHRA within the UK. Um, so we pulled together a small team to implement over one weekend, I think over two days, a, a, a storefront specifically for the COVID-19 effort uh, and particularly for the CPAP device, which in it, because we, we, were, we were well aware that there was quite a lot of pent up demand from the requests that had been coming into the researchers about, you know, can we have access to the blueprints? Can we have access to the blueprints? So we were aware that there was already a list of 100, 200 organizations that were desperate to get the blueprints. Um, and we were also aware that our currently Lucid system was built for licensing technologies which happen on a much slower time scale of the order you know you might get an in from a uclb's perspective we've had our, our platform up for quite a while so we get the order of tens of orders of tens of licenses every day but we were expecting we're expecting to have a lot more for for cpap so we had to re-engineer the system slightly we also wanted to ensure that the academics could be involved in approving every order because that was one of the reasons they came to us in the first place was that they wanted to make the the designs available for free, but they wanted to ensure that those designs were going to uh, people that they validated or organisations that were validated. And that's where the, the beauty of the Elucid tool comes in and enabling that workflow to be set up very easily. Um, so alongside all the development that was going on with the licensing terms and arranging the uh, the, the licensing ownership with, with Mercedes as well, uh, the team were building a new front end to the, uh, to the Elucid system such that when orders came in, they could be 
um, approved in a manner easily than more easily than having a flood of emails arrive in someone's inbox. So we've created a dashboard over yep. uh, that they could use. So uh, and it's just as well we did because I think within the first forty eight hours we'd had something several hundred orders and within three days I think there were already one thousand orders on the system. Um, and by the time I think we were three months in, we we had approved two thousand orders over. Uh, requests from about 3,000 organizations mm. around the world. So that was a, a great impact case study. No, I think, I think it's a great story of how, you know, of how in a small way we as a, T, we as a TTO helped to support UCL's effort in that, um, during that, during that period and that sort of that making available the CPAP design um, really did, you know, well, it led to a really great ref case study for UCL um, and a great collaboration between UCL and Mercedes. Um, but uh, you know, a great story and a great, you know, just a great validation of of our decision to invest in Elucid um, and have a platform that was, you know, fit for purpose and um, and solved a problem for us that we never we never quite envisaged because I don't think any of us anticipated the pandemic. No, and the platform didn't fall down either, so we were prepared. <laughs> no, I remember the Easter weekend very well, very well. Um, yeah, and it's a great story. But now, so so look, so so in a sense, now now we're in a, we're now we're in a position where. The platform, I think, is being used by over 20 um, TTOs uh, in in the UK, Europe and the US um, and is really a, a great example, a great, a great example of how, you know, UCLB is providing you know, thought leadership in um, in technology transfer. Tell us about sort of growth plans uh, in terms of how the how you think how the platform may further evolve, how we might ensure that it's uh, you know, it's adopted more broadly and in a sense to, to reinforce that message that we talked about, about thought leadership. Well, we've got a, a great team now running the running the product. So I think that was one of the key things we did as UCLB was moving away from running it as a, uh, a, a you know, one of me and a developer trying to maintain the product to when we started taking on um, customers from other other universities and particularly when we started uh, working with some of the larger US universities, um, it became apparent that we needed to put a much kind of um, robust, more robust team around it, particularly regarding a lot of the requirements we have from a security perspective. Um, uh, one of the things I didn't mention is that we have an interface to a payment gateway, so, um, so universities can uh, nominate their payment uh, payment gateway supplier to uh, connect to the platform, which means we have to abide by things like PCI DSS um, for credit card payments. We also have to uh, um, undergo pen testing every year, and, and there's a whole host of other security. Pen testing? For those that are not familiar with the acronym, what's that? Uh, penetration testing. I'm not sure it sounds any better than <laughs> penetration testing. Yeah. But to ensure that our, our system can't be hacked. This is cyber security, Marina. And then all the sort of the sort of the, the in a sense, the usability issues that you have nowadays with web based web based platforms and web based services. Yeah. Um, and ensuring therefore the sort of the in a sense the security and robustness of the platform. Uh, both in terms of you know hacking, but also in terms of security of you know people's things like credit card details and that sort of stuff. I guess. Yeah, that's right. So we have a, a cybersecurity consultant that works part time. We have a dedicated, uh, uh, obviously, product development team, uh, a specialist in user in in, um, in user interface design because clearly that 
the platform has a number of features, there's a lot of features in fact, and one of the challenges with technology is making those features accessible to the end users because there's no point that the features can only be used by people that have studied it and developed it and are using it day in, day out. With a system like Elucid, the idea is that any business manager can use it so that you you set up your technology and then you don't have to think about it anymore. The, the, if, in theory, the licensing fees roll in and, and you just set up the next product. So, so you want it to be very easy to use. That was kind of a, a, an important concern. So the team we have running it now doing a fantastic job and being able to really promote the benefits and, and prove how well it operates as a, as a robust technology and as a robust system. And, and that's really kind of, we've seen an uptake in, um, in, in customer need, uh, customer successful customer contracts, should we say, over the past, uh, I guess, two or three years, it's been a, a really good uptick. So, so we are now obviously looking to um, uh, understand more of the features that, that would be required from such customers. One of the things we definitely are working on now is looking at how we introduce different pricing packages. Uh, our initial set of customers have been, I guess, at the kind of top tier end of, of universities, so are able to... Research intensive. Research intensive universities. Yeah. Um, but the value of being able to license what we call the long tail of IP is something that is, is important to every single research institution. So we want to find a way to make the, um, to, to enable the technology we have accessible to all kinds of research institutions. So we were thinking of, you know, we were introducing uh, other tiers of, of service, shall we say. So that's one of the main things we're looking at over in the coming six months or so. Mm -hmm. Um, so that we can uh, have a broader base of customers in the in the future. And so I guess that sort of, in a sense, is that sort of dem the aim is here is to is to scale the platform, find a wider a wider base of a base of users, um, and effectively grow the the, in a, the base of, of of adopters of the of the platform, um, and therefore to sort of as you say to demonstrate the the wider utility of it. And perhaps also develop new, you know, new capabilities, new functionality that you know could ever serve not just TTOs but other parts of a university in terms of its knowledge transfer. I guess. Yeah. So a number of our customers are actually using it not just for transaction licenses, but also for um, general marketing purposes. So it's because it's a nice-looking storefront, mm. if you like. We call them storefronts. It's a nice-looking storefront. So um, it's customizable. You can for your product pages, you can add videos, you can add diagrams, texts, whatever. And most universities, and ours included, don't have very consistent ways of, of promoting the uh, outputs of research through a single portal. And so it's very difficult for someone to see from the outside what a university has available for um, third parties. By third parties, I mean, you know, it can be in some cases members of the public because a lot of the a lot of the I'm, I'm referring to them as products um but that's just because the type of intellectual property we have on 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 the elucid systems is so varied for everything from software to copyright so we have lots of copyright material um, and they can be um, tools that are used by um, by parents at home if they're schooling their children. So obviously we have lots of educational tools on there. We have lots of medical questionnaires which are used by healthcare professionals. Um, there are software there that's used for, by anyone, you know, for hobbyists that are interested in particular aspects of research that UCLB has done. So, and, and even some of our uh, uh, US customers have large portfolios of their um, of artistic works. So, um, 
portraits of of celebrities even mm. and uh, museum yeah. works of art from museums that they host. So it's used for a very wide number of things. So um, so that's great. And we're looking to, I think every university we bring on, we're just amazed at the new ideas of, of, of how the system can be used. So we're looking to promote more of that. Uh, we're looking potentially to look at it as a transaction tool for other kinds of agreements. So, for example, non-disclosure agreements or, or CDAs, confidential disclosure agreements. So that's a transaction which doesn't necessarily have a product at the end of it, but it's a transaction between two parties. Again, that's something we could look at developing for the tool. So, Stephen, over to you, since obviously you've been alongside me for the whole of this journey and supporting us developing the, the uh, Elusive product and getting it to where it is today. What do you feel that overall have been the learnings and benefits of UCLB and UCL in developing Elucid? So I think when we started it, Marina, we started it to fulfil a specific set of needs around paid-for software licensing um, and to do that much more efficiently. And I think the evolution of it in terms of new use cases, um, how, in a sense, we as UCLB can get involved in different types of it, helping us to transact different types of licenses. You know, you talked a little bit earlier about the uh, um, you know free use materials, uh, things that we were not, you know that we that we we were not probably considering very much at that time, and that's allowed us to do things like dual licensing as well. Has been an innovation. Um, I think the other learning is how applicable it's been to a broader range of research. Um, so so the, the perception is often that university TTOs are only interested in STEM and outputs from, from you know, science, technology, engineering and medicine. And I think what, what Elucid has done, um, in addition to other innovations and other programmes that we've had, like Social Ventures, it's here at UCLB, it's allowed us to appeal to a much broader base of the UCL research base than, um, than, than, uh, than perhaps you know, T TTOs would typically do. So the example I always know, I'm always really, really proud of the work that we've done with English department. Um, we've done that not just with Elucid, but with an app store opportunity, but but that reaching out and helping the English department to to generate both income and impact from, from their materials has been really has been really important. So so helping to broaden the range of, of, of appeal of UCLB to uh, um, to a wider academic base has been there. But I suppose my proudest part about this is is just us demonstrating thought leadership in technology transfer, seeing something, a need that the market didn't offer um, and going out, developing something, developing it really organically, which is a, you know, a model that we've seen in a number of activities, a number of our spin outs, so, you know, can work and helps us to, in a sense, build something which is of real, of, of real value and real use. And then rolling that out across uh, a broader range of universities and those universities. I think back to when we when we were at the AUTM conference in uh, at the end of February and the amount of interest from TTOs coming up to us to talking to us um, when we had that when we had that exhibition stand for the uh, for the Elusive platform at the conference and talk to us about the the needs that you know the existing customers and how it's satisfying their needs and new customers being genuinely potentially interested in using it said to me you know we've done something here which which helps to put you know, which helps to put UCLB on the map 
and just demonstrates that that TTOs innovate. Um, and at a time when there's lots of questions about what the role of TTOs are and how TTOs operate, I think this is a really great example of how a TTO has innovated, taken a decision to invest in an opportunity and really seen it seen it through and generated some great outcomes. So, you know, I'm fundamentally really proud of what, what you, the team, and what UCLB has broadly has achieved with this. Um, and I hope that you know we can go, we can we can look forward now to uh, to further rollout, further development of it, both in terms of addressing new needs at UCL, um, in terms of the research base, but um, getting new getting new adopters for the platform. Um, and we can look back in a few years' time and say, you know, it as it's become, it's not just the gold standard for express licensing, but it is the de facto standard, and it is being used across the globe. By, a, by as many universities as possible, and that will be a real success for us all. And I think you know a great a, a great message for for UCLB. Um, so that would be my my hope. Um, that's still going to take a lot of hard work, and uh, we know we're still we've still got significant roads to, uh, to to uh, to 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 walk down on this journey. But the hope is that we are now you know without wanting to mix my uh, metaphors, um, you know we are definitely accelerating away into the distance and i think this has got you know this is a a great a great project uh one i'm really proud of great thank you stephen and i'm going to ask you one final question do you actually remember what the elucid acronym stands for what does it stand for it stands for electronic licensing of ucl's intellectual property database thank you marina uh, and with that we will bring this podcast recording to a conclusion Thank you, Stephen, for your support on developing Elucid. Thank you.